Good morning, and welcome to Overeaters Anonymous, a Vision for You Big Book Study. My name is Katie F., and I'm a recovered compulsive overeater. Today is Monday, January 8, 2018. Today we are reading from the Big Book, Chapter 1, and we are at page 13, the first paragraph. Today's readers are, for the 12 steps, Anita L., 12 traditions, Amanda F., reading the text are Allison L., Lisa B., and Craig F. The reference number for Sunday, January 7th, 2018, is 10897. That's 10,897. OA Preamble. Overeaters Anonymous is a fellowship of individuals who, through shared experience, strength, and hope, are recovering from compulsive overeating. We welcome everyone who wants to stop eating compulsively. There are no dues or fees for members. We are self-supporting through our own contributions neither soliciting nor accepting outside donations. OA is not affiliated with any public or private organization, political movement, ideology, or religious doctrine. We take no position on outside issues. Our primary purpose is to abstain from compulsive eating and compulsive food behaviors and to carry the message of recovery through the 12 steps of OA to those who still suffer. Our sole purpose. OA's fifth tradition states, Each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. At a Vision for You Big Book study, our message is that people who suffer from compulsive overeating can recover through abstinence and the practice of the 12 steps and 12 traditions of Overeaters Anonymous. I will now ask Anita L. to read the 12 steps. Good morning, everyone. This is Anita L. from Philadelphia. The 12 steps. One, we admitted we were powerless over food, that our lives had become unmanageable. Two, came to believe that a power greater than ourselves could restore us to sanity. Three, made a decision to turn our will and our lives over to the care of God as we understood him. Four, made a searching and fearless moral inventory of ourselves. Five, admitted to God, to ourselves, and to another human being, the exact nature of our wrongs. Six, we're entirely ready to have God remove all these defects of character. Seven, humbly asked him to remove our shortcomings. Eight, made a list of all persons we had harmed and became willing to make amends to them all. Nine, made direct amends to such people wherever possible, except when to do so would injure them or others. Ten, continued to take personal inventory, and when we were wrong, promptly admitted it. Eleven, sought through prayer and meditation to improve our conscious contact with God as we understood him, praying only for knowledge of his will for us and the power to carry that out. 12. Having had a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps, we tried to carry this message to compulsive overeaters and to practice these principles in all our affairs. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Have a great day. Thank you, Anita. I will now ask Amanda S. to read the 12 traditions. Good morning. May I be heard? Yes. Okay, good morning. This is Amanda S., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. The 12 Traditions. Our common welfare should come first. Personal recovery depends upon OA unity. 
too, for our group purpose, there is but one ultimate authority, a loving God as he may express himself in our group conscience. Our leaders are but trusted servants. They do not govern. Three, the only requirement for OA membership is a desire to stop eating compulsively. Four, each group should be autonomous except in matters affecting other groups or OA as a whole. Five, each group has but one primary purpose, to carry its message to the compulsive overeater who still suffers. Six, an OA group ought never endorse, finance, or lend the OA name to any related facility or outside enterprise, lest problems of money, property, and prestige divert us from our primary purpose. Seven, every OA group ought to be fully self-supporting, declining outside contributions. Eight, Overeaters Anonymous should remain forever non-professional, but our service centers may employ special workers. Nine, OA as such ought never be organized, but we may create service boards or committees directly responsible to those they serve. 10, Overeaters Anonymous has no opinion on outside issues, hence the OA name ought never be drawn into public controversy. 11, our public relations policy is based on attraction rather than promotion. We need always maintain personal anonymity at the level of press, radio, film, television, and other public media of communication. 12. Anonymity is the spiritual foundation of all these traditions, ever reminding us to place principles before personalities. Thank you, and I pass. Thank you, Amanda. How our meeting works. Our meeting focuses on the directions for recovery described in the Big Book of Alcoholics Anonymous. We read a paragraph or two from the literature, then stop and share on what was read. Anyone can share, but we ask that you keep your sharing to the topic and literature we are discussing, and that you keep your share to approximately three minutes. Singleness of purpose reminds us to identify as compulsive overeaters only. Our absence requirement for moderators is one year, and for readers is six months. There is no absence requirement for sharing on topic. This meeting does request that your sharing be directly linked to what was read. We are sharing what the directions in the big book mean to us. To share, press star one to unmute. Once you are done sharing, let us know by saying pass, then press star one to mute your phone. In order to have a quiet meeting, everyone's phone except the speaker should be muted. Today, we resume our study of the big book on page 13, paragraph one. I will ask Allison L. to begin reading, and she's going to read through two paragraphs, and we will comment on both. Good morning. This is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. At the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Treatment seemed wise, for I showed signs of delirium tremens. There I humbly offered myself to God, as I then understood him. To do with me as he would, I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction, I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost. I ruthlessly faced my sins and became willing to have my newfound friend take them away, root and branch. I have not had a drink since. Uh, Again, this is Allison L., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in Ohio. Um, So much hope in in these two paragraphs, separated from alcohol for the last time, and I have not had a drink since. Um, And... I want to talk about um, 
being separated from the food for the last time. I don't remember the last time I ate compulsively, but I remember the last time that I almost did. I was working through the steps with someone who um, had this problem solved in, in her. She had worked through the steps while being entirely absent. She was guiding me through the same thing. We were reading in Bill's story, and I went to the cabinet one day, and I had my hand in a bag of something. I had the food in my hand, and there was just this brief pause that said, what are you doing? You're never, you're never going to get better if you keep doing this. Um, you must be entirely abstinent. And my hand just opened and let go of those those things. And I went and I washed my hands. And that was the last time that I, I almost ate compulsively um, up to this day. And from there, I remained entirely abstinent. Um, the book has told us over and over again up to this point that we must be entirely abstinent, that the steps aren't going to work if we're not separated from our substance. And so that was the last time I almost um, compulsively ate. And from there, I remained entirely abstinent. And I kept working through the steps as she guided me, as the book guided me. Um, and Bill's story, you know, we're relating to all the way up to this point, 12 pages now, Bill's been um, telling us about his life and what led him to this um, point of desperation, step one, being completely powerless and letting that sink from the head to the heart. So um, we have no other option but to work these steps. And so I humbly offered myself to God. For me, that was, I'm going to keep doing the rest of the work. I'm going to be entirely abstinent. I'm going to work through these steps. I'm going to sit in the uncomfortability of all these feelings and emotions with nothing to take the edge off, um, using the tools to get me through so I can work through these steps and be separated from food for the last time. It also meant that... Um, at step three, what what I knew of God was just do the next right thing. What would God have me do the next right thing in each day? That's that's as much as I could do and keep doing the steps and um, using the tools to support me while I did that. And with that, I pass. Thank you so much. Okay. Um, as I said, we're on page 13, the first two paragraphs. Ending with, I have not had a drink since. Who would like to share on these two Matt paragraphs? Matt Allen G. Matt and Larry. Larry K. Melissa K. Okay. okay, just Matt one Ed. second. Just one second. I have Lisa B., Harlan G., Larry K., Matt M., Vasa uh, Just one Rowan moment, please. Um, I heard Vasa. Lisa B. I uh, got Lisa B. Um, Roanne. Okay, I'm missing someone. Suji. Suji. Melissa C. Melissa C. Edini. Okay, I did. Edini. Okay. Okay, let's go with that. That's a nice long list there. Lisa B. Harlan G. Larry K. Matt M. Vasa O. Roanne. I'm not sure what your initial is. Suji. Melissa C. And Edini. I believe them. Okay, go ahead, please, Lisa B. Um, good morning. Can you hear me okay? This is Lisa. Yes, I can. Thank okay, you. Thank you. Um, good morning. This is Lisa B. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Greenville, South Carolina. And, you know, I was thinking about this paragraph this morning, and what jumped into my mind uh, was when Dr. Silkworth talks about the classification of alcoholics, and he talks about. Um, 
he talks about this one type, the psychopaths, who are emotionally unstable, they're over-remorseful, and they never make a decision. And that's what really uh, leaped into my mind. You know, when Bill is talking about here, he's made the decision. And I heard an AA speaker once uh, describe becoming interested in the power behind the name. And that's what I saw Bill doing, you know, with this work that he's been sitting there with Ebby talking and going through um, all the different emotions and thoughts that he's had about a higher power and being powerless. And he became interested in the power behind the name of whatever he chooses to call his higher power, God. That's what he does. That's what I call my higher power. So I am very interested in the power behind the name. I don't want to get tied in and hooked up and, you know, bogged down with um, all my other past experiences of whether it be religion and all this other stuff. And then, you know, he's talking about making that decision to take that, doing that third step and placing himself without hesitation, without reservation, under the care and direction of this power behind the name. And really, for me, I was taught by you guys, by my sponsor, that really that's the decision to go forward with all of the steps, especially steps four through nine, um, but really to get recovered. You know, that's what I need to be. I need to get recovered. And then he's talking about ruthlessly facing his his sins, his shortcomings. And then, you know, the other thing that jumped into my mind this morning was um, in how it works, and let me just find it here, it talks about once we make that decision, it's saying that though our decision was vital and crucial, it could have little permanent effect unless it once followed by a strenuous effort to face and be rid of the things in ourselves which had been blocking us. So really, it's a decision to move forward. But I needed to get interested in that power behind the name. I am in desperate need of power. I need this care and direction. And I also heard another AA speaker once say, once I make that decision that my life is no longer my business, that I am in fact nothing without this higher power and that really it's not even my life to live. It's my higher power living through me. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Lisa. Harlan G., you're up, followed by Larry Kay. Thank you very much, and thank you to Team Monday for making this meeting possible. I'm Harlan G. I'm a recovered compulsive overeater in Scottsdale, Arizona. We have been following Bill's struggle. He's getting a visit from Ebby Thatcher. Ebby is a drunk like Bill who came to visit him in late November 1934. Bill is going to the Oxford group meetings with Ebby, and he meets Sam Shoemaker, and he meets Roland, and he, you know, he knew Roland, but he meets these guys, but he's still drinking. On the 11th of December, 11th of December, 1934, Bill shows up at the town's hospital, and he's drunk, waving a bottle of gin over his head. It's an absolutely ridiculous scene. He's yelling at Dr. Silkworth, who's working with another patient. Doctor, I have found something. I have found an answer. And Dr. Silkworth looks at him and says, yes, Bill, I think maybe you have, but you better get upstairs, get into a gown, and get into bed, and I'll be up there in a little while. He is there on the 11th of December, 34. On the 12th, he is sedated on the 13th, which is his second day of uh, sobriety. 
he begins to clear his head. And on the 14th, he starts working the steps that we know today. Let's see what it says. There I humbly offered myself to God as I then understood him to do with me as he would. Sounds like the third step prayer, doesn't it? I placed myself unreservedly under his care and direction, step two. I admitted for the first time that of myself I was nothing, that without him I was lost, step one. One, two, and three. I ruthlessly faced my sins, step four, and became willing to have my newfound friend, in capital letters, God, take them away root and branch, step six and seven. I have not had a drink since. Tomorrow and the next day and the day after, most of this week, we're going to see how Bill goes through the 12 steps based on his exposure to the Oxford group. He is going to get out of the hospital on the 18th of December, and he will never drink alcohol again throughout the days of his life. This is 1934. He will die in January of 1971, and he will never drink again. But we're going to see how he works the steps both with Ebby and God in the town's hospital in New York. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thanks. Thank you, Harlan. Larry Kay, you're up, followed by Matt M. Hi, Katie. Thanks so much for your service. Larry Kay, uh, recovered compulsive reader from Chicago. So Harlan, he just talked about the uh, the steps that Bill took. Um, yesterday, I um, I built a desk. Well, whoop-de-doo for me, right? It was from Ikea. There were 27 steps. I never followed any sequence of anything. You know, when you open a book from Ikea, because um, you probably built something maybe along the way, um, they, they, there's no words, just pictures. I love it, right? And there were 27 steps. Now, I'm not going to lie, I, I went to the, to the 27th step because I wanted to see where I was, what I was shooting for there, right? There was a desk, but I had to start with, with the first, first deal. And you know, along, it, one, it took me a, quite a while um, but along the way, it wasn't easy. Uh, I, I don't, I'm not handy. I'm handy with ideas sometimes, but not so much with my building things. But um, uh, step one, you know, I, step one, I had to see that all the pieces were there, right? All the, all the parts. Do you know about 20 years ago, 25 years ago, um, I was given a uh, gas grill, uh, and I decided to put it together. I almost blew myself up, right? Uh, lots of parts at the end. I didn't follow the instructions. See, what Bill did is here is he was given a, a program of action that Abby followed, and he, he began to follow it. I trusted in the process that the desk would, but I tell you what, as I was, as I was building the desk, there were times that it just didn't intuitively make sense. Like, why? How does this? Can I go to get the, why am I putting that there with these screws and the this and the that? No, it, in the end, you know what? I, got? I have a desk. My daughter has a desk. You follow the instructions like Bill did, you'll get a desk. You don't follow the instructions, you're not going to get Jack, right? With that, I'll pass. Thanks. Thank you, Larry. Madam, you're up, followed by Vasa O. Yes, good morning. Thank you for thank you very much. Good morning, everyone. This is Madam the Pulse Over Eater. This uh, prayer, uh, I, I rewrote this prayer in my own words because it's almost like a third step prayer because I um, I read it again and again and unreservedly he uh, asked for God to be put under God's care and direction. He's taken the step that he needs to take to get towards uh, 
recovery. He's 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 making the leap, and it's great to see this. You know, he's finally was separated from alcohol for the last time because he was showing signs of delirium tremens. And the the friend that's capitalized means he's friend means his higher power, his version of his higher power, God. And it's great to see that he's actually getting it. I wish that I could say I got it all the time. I, I struggle a lot with the God concept, and I struggle with that on a day-to-day basis. But I do open up myself to prayer and meditation now. I do it every night before I go to bed. I wish I could say I do it during the day regularly, but I don't. But I'm grateful that I have the opportunity every day to try to do better than I did yesterday and the day before. So I'm just grateful this is here, and I'm grateful I'm reading this for today with the group. Thank you, Amal Pass. Thank you, Matt. Okay, Vasa O, you're up, followed by Roanne. Thank you. Good morning, everyone. Vasa, grateful, recovered, compulsive, overeater, calling from Foxborough. No, I'm calling from Florida. Sorry about that. I get confused where I am. But anyways, I love, this is my favorite paragraph. Uh, I didn't know how to do any of this stuff till I, I was brought into Overeaters Anonymous by my sponsor, and she 12-stepped me for about a week before I came to my first meeting. And just a little, she told me a little bit about every, every step, not too much. And, she, and again, she said, follow the instructions. The steps are laid the way they are, they're laid out for a reason. You know, we don't, and I, I didn't make mistakes. I did step one, two, and three, and I went to step 12. I wanted to tell everybody about Overeaters Anonymous. I wanted to get up on my house roof and holler, you know, every day. You know, I wanted to tell them about the good news that I had found. It was just awesome, but not everybody wanted to hear about it. But anyways, I did come to Overeaters Anonymous October 25, 1986, and I did surrender to God on my knees after my first meeting I ran in the bathroom the way my sponsor told me. She says, Vasa, we've got to surrender. You know, you've been trying to do this for many, 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 many years. And she said, I tried to do it for many years. It did not work. I needed to surrender to God, and I needed to surrender to the 12 steps and the meetings, uh, whatever, this big book. She said, this is where the recipe is. And I was a cook. You know, I mean, I love to cook. And I was great cook, you know, I followed recipes, you know. So I needed to trust and I needed to believe because whatever I did, it did, it did not work. So uh, at, at the hospital, I was separated from the alcohol. For me, I was separated that night from my alcoholic foods up to this point. It's by the grace of God. And I was terrified to hear about God at the beginning, you know. But it didn't matter. It's Vasa, do it. If you don't, then you're going to die, or you're going to be a very, very sick woman in every way, physically, emotionally, spiritually, mentally, you know. And I was ready, and I was willing. And this is the key. This was the beginning of my new life, you know, with the program, the 12 steps in this big book, the fellowship, and, um, and I haven't stopped. I keep on doing, you know, what's working for me. And, you know, yes, I did step one, two, and three, and then step four, as it says here, four, five, six, as they are laid out. Thank you for letting me share, and I pass. Thank you, Vasa. Okay, Roanne, you're up, followed by Sue G. Hi, this is Roanne M. I'm calling from New York City. I'm a gratefully recovered compulsive overeater. 
I love these paragraphs. It talks about how Bill, you know, he gave up alcohol for the last time. He was separated from alcohol for the last time. And it talks about his humility and it talks about his willingness. Two things that the big book talks about many, many times. It talks about willingness, honesty, and humility being necessary in order to have a spiritual experience. And when we talk about the word unreservedly, you know, that's the word that means complete and sincere. And when I, I love that Bill is in a place where he's finally surrendered enough where he can fully give himself to his higher power and he's making a decision. He's at, he's come, he's doing step one, two, and three, and he's turning his will over to the care of God as he understands him. And, and he's doing four, six, and seven, as Harlan said, and he's ready to have all of his, you know, everything, his character defects being removed from him so that he has a clear, uh, a clear path to God so that he is not blocked from God. And it's just really amazing how we've been reading about Bill throughout his story and the progression of his alcoholism. And now we have this, and, his, and his, we've been reading about his ego and this proud man who was unwilling to do so many things. And now we have this man who was beaten down by this disease and he is willing to be with God and offer himself to God and be under his care and direction and, and have him uh, take away his alcoholism and have him take care of him. And it just makes me think of myself and my disease and having been beaten down and having surrendered and being in a place where I wanted to be taken care of by my higher power and stopped fighting and stopped fighting and stopped trying to do things my way and what and humbly offering myself to God and Stop trying to control and manipulate the situation and have my character defects removed and doing the steps as they're written in the big book. And what a better way of life that is for me to live. And it's just so amazing. And when I think about the last time I was separated from the food. Oh, well, anyway, thank you so much for letting me share and let that all pass. Thank you. Thank you so much, Roanne. Sue G, you're up, followed by Melissa C. Good morning. This is Sue G. I recovered by the grace of God in Michigan. Um, I love these paragraphs, too, because it shows that Bill's been listening. He's been going to the Oxford group meetings, but he still was drinking. But he was listening. So when he was separated from alcohol by being in the hospital and got his mind cleared enough, um, he put to practice what he had learned and what he had heard 
from the Oxford group. Um, and it did step three through seven. And it just shows that, you know, we don't need a sponsor per se to to do those steps. Um, we just need a big book. We just need, um, I'm not saying I, I, I would ever go through it without it, but it shows that you can do it. Because Bill did it without Ebby until the next day or when, when Ebby visited him in the next paragraph. Then he went on and finished the rest of the steps. And I love the way he calls God friend. Um, that's who my God is. He's my friend. Um, and he knew to confess his sins. Um, and uh, and take, take, he asked God to take the sins away. Um, it's the only place I think of that where it mentions sins rather than character defects. Once again, he was involved with the Axford group, and that's um, more of a religious um, organization. But, you know, reading from the beginning, when I first started studying the big book, it was like a, just a big hurrah, you know, for Bill uh, that, you know, that I have a hard time getting separated from from food, not that I eat it, but being separated from it. Um, it's a, um, it was a joke or something that says, I, I'm a, I eat seafood, I, anything I see, I eat. Um, and when I see things, I have a difficult time. Bill didn't see alcohol. Bill didn't have the issue that I had when I... Um, when I was in OA first until I had a recovered sponsor. And then I made air certain areas of the house covered and something else. That's my husband's food. That's my husband's food. And wrap things up in wrappers in the freezer so I don't see them when I open the freezer. And I had to learn tricks to be separated from, um, from seeing them visually. And that made it a lot easier not to eat them. And with that, I pass. Thank you. Thank you, Sue. Melissa C., you're up, followed by Irvini M. Hi. Good morning, Katie. It's Melissa C., Recovered Compulsive Overeater in New York. And, you know, I was thinking about um, this requiring treatment and how it looks different for compulsive overeaters, um, but it's, you know, it's super important that we do get some sort of treatment when we're getting separated from the food, you know. Um, and and so, you know, what that looks like um, is, yeah, we don't visually have to look at the food um, that isn't ours while we're getting treatment. You know, like our treatment, we might not go into a hospital, but, you know, when you're looking to get uh, recovered, and you're separated from the food, and you're not recovered yet, um, yeah, maybe you don't need to go to restaurants at that time. Maybe that's what your treatment looks like. Or your treatment might be like you've got no business in ice cream stands or bakeries. Obviously, you know, we know that's not the permanent solution, but that is part of what the initial treatment is. We need to be physically separated, and... um, and I know I needed it to be um, 
I needed temptation removed so that I could not believe any of the lies, like, well, this is only sugar-free, or I'll have a little bit here, or this is low-calorie, but like complete separation so that I could really work on the steps of the program, you know. And then the, the, I love the idea of it, the root and branch because, um, you know, I didn't want the root to take it for a really long time. I wanted, like, the branches. I wanted the outward appearance kind of cleaned up, you know, uh, make, make some of those flowers blossom and grow and, and clean up the branches a bit. But, my God, don't take the root. Don't take every piece of me. And, you know, how, how do we reach a point where we're willing to let God take it root and branch? I, I think that really happens outside of the world. And I think sometimes, you know, I was at a meeting over the weekend and there's newer people. And sometimes in, in my own desire to envelop them and want them to buy into the program, you almost want to make it softer and lighter and easier for them. But that's not really doing anyone any great service and favor. And so um, I think that the desire to have it taken away root and branch, that comes when you suffer enough, when you do enough um, of your own data, you know, you do enough of your own research, and then you realize, oh, my God, I really am nothing, and I need it all. I need it all taken away. And, you know, the beautiful thing is when you reach that point, you can say for the rest of your life, you know, the food is gone. No more interest in the food. Thank you. With that, I'll pass. Thank you, Melissa. Okay, Arini M., you're up. Thank you, Katie, for your service. Good morning, my spiritual brothers and sisters. My name is Irini M. from New York, and I am a very grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. Thank you, God. Always, always, always giving credit where credit is due. Wow. Identification. I so identify with this so much. He made a decision to do differently. He took step three, a commitment to take action quickly so he can go through the steps with his heart, from his head to his heart, and push it down to his feet to become it. You can't stop at the heart. It has to be pushed down into the feet and become it. He simply just let go of what was torturing him. He let go of his pride, his ego, his self-centeredness. He let go of control. And yes, oh yeah, he let go of the bottle. Wow. When we let go, we are then open to receive the gift from God. Bill was graced with recovery from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. He is letting go and he is listening. I'll repeat that. He let go and he listened. And how did this happen? Because of his desperation, his willingness, his honesty, that light that came from his shadow of darkness, that is hope, his belief in hope. He humbly gave himself to God, unreservedly meaning completely, 100%, without any reservation, to give all his difficulties and his needs to be saved from what? From himself knowing in the depths of his being that he is lost without God. 
This wasn't a thought that just came and popped into his head because it says it right here, for I've shown signs of delirium tremens, which means a state of confusion, insanity. That's what that means. So if we get connected and stay connected, we'll always be connected. And this is how God's unconditional love manifests in our lives. He was filled with the light of the Spirit that he awakened to his truth, and that would set him free. He had a personality change from Bill-centered to God-centered, and he had been restored to the state of sanity. Thank you, God, because we wouldn't be here right now on the phone. He made a complete turnaround, 180 degrees. And for myself as well, with the grace of God, I too needed to be saved from me from that uncontrolled child and riding that emotional roller coaster without a stop button. And I took everybody with me. I had internal chaos. And today, thank you, God, I have peace in my heart and in my mind. I'm joyous and free one day at a time. I had that completely turn around, and I keep on turning around. It doesn't stop. It doesn't end. It only goes deeper. There's no destination here. And I and I undress what time, what, and I thank you and I pass. <laughs> thank you, Adini. Okay, who else would like to share? We are on page thirteen, the first two paragraphs. Janice M. Paula D. Janice M. Paula D. Barbara E. Laura Barbara H. E. Laura H. Jody EQ. Jody EQ. Okay. Okay, let's go with those um, five. We have Janice M., Paula D., Barbara E., Laura H., and Jody EQ. Go ahead, please, Paula. I mean, Janice. Good morning. Good morning, Katie. This is Janice M. And uh, I'm a grateful, recovered, compulsive overeater. You know, this is, um, you know, when I read this, at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Well, in my experience, I had a lot of last times. (laughs) Really, I really did. This is the last time. This is the last time. But before Bill got to this place and was ready to surrender to something else, there had to be something prerequisite to this. And, you know, I always thought, okay, this is the last time. But it's complete surrender to know in my heart that I cannot stop my disease. Because I tried. And I really thought that, you know, this time's going to be different um, uh, but I, in the back of my head, if I was really honest with myself, I can remember saying, mm, I don't know, maybe there's something else. Maybe I'm really not a compulsive overeater. Maybe, you know, I'll find something else someday, somehow. This is how my thinking was. And I knew a doctor couldn't do my disease, couldn't fix my disease. I knew frothy emotional appeal couldn't fix it because I did all that. You know, people told me this, you get matronly looking, et cetera. That didn't do anything. No human power could do it for me. See, I had to be at this point 
before it became the last time for me. Meetings didn't do it for me. Yeah, they're very supportive. Sponsors were wonderful. I could see them. I could hear them. But, mm, you know, yeah, it was nice, you know, but it's not for me that it couldn't, because I was different. See, I was very different. My mind couldn't stop my thinking. But when I came to the point that I must have a, a plan, another idea, then this plan started to work because I was at the end of my ropes. I was abstinent and supposedly recovered many times. But until January 5th, 2010, I said, there's nothing else for me to do um, but accept this plan of action. And, you know, prior, there was two examples that Dr. Silky gave to us about two men, Hank and I forget somebody else. Um, the, the common solution was the plan of recovery. And with that, I will pass. Thanks. Thank you so much, Janice M. Okay, Paula, it's your turn. And, and thank you. Thank you for your time given in service. And this would be Paula D. currently in Florida, recovered by and with the grace of God, and I so know that. You know, as I, we come here, and I am going to be mindful of the time, because we can see what happened at this time with Bill. The first step, humble. That's the first step, humility. You know, we see on page 8, I who had thought so well of myself and my abilities and my capacities to surmount obstacles was cornered at last. Who would think, who would know? Do you think I looked down at Bill? He had to come to this place when I was right beside him. The first step must be, this is what you build on, the surrender, the humility. Then he goes on. That's how it goes on. Otherwise, it stays there. I placed myself. Somebody couldn't do it for me. A sponsor couldn't do it for me. Bad conditions couldn't do it for me. I, myself, both referring to under his care and direction. I always thought I knew the way until, as it says a few lines down, I was so lost. I was so lost finding my way, was I? And then it goes on. I became willing to have my new New means not known before. I thought I knew God. But you see, in humility, I thought I knew better than God. That's not humility. I thought I had it. And look at what happens. A newfound friend. How trusting you must be in that friend to take away everything, root and branch, to expose yourself. As was so beautifully said, the shadow of myself to the light. And then he <coughs> he ends with, and I would like to end with this, I have not had a drink since. You see, every day I start with surrender. <laughs> it comes together, and I am very grateful for that because that was what brings me forward. And again, mindful of the time, and more than willing to share and to hear hmm, today. Thank you again. With that, I do pass.
Thank you, Paula. Okay, Barbara E., you're up, followed by Laura H. Thank you, Katie, and thank you, everyone who shared before me. What a wonderful reading today. When I came into the program in 1996, I had marinated in despair, desperation long enough. I had lost weight and gained it so many times. I was thinking, life's not fair. I can't do this. I was ready. I was ready to take a sponsor. I was ready to have a food plan. But ah, that meant I was still in control. What I was not ready to do was to embrace the idea that I had to give over my control to a power outside myself. When I read the big book, and I did, we went to meetings, I heard about psychopaths and manic depressives and different kind of eaters and a body as sick as the mind and wet brain and I've got religion and psychic and spiritual change necessary. Inventories, confession, restitution. Oh my God, I can't do all that. I can't do all that, but I had to. I had to unlock the door that blocked me from the willingness to accept a higher power. I had to. A a big book enthusiast without taking action is like a house without an entrance, a bedroom without a door. In In the For Today book, it says, no one is too dumb to work the 12-step program, but there are some who are too smart. I pray to keep me from being too smart. For in a, a compulsive overeater like me, there are only two things I hate, how things are and having to change. But that's what I had to do. I had to change. I had to be willing. I had to accept that there is something out there in the universe that can guide me on a daily basis because I am broken without it. Yes, I can be a dry drunk. I can stay abstinent, stay on the food plan, but that's not going to make me a happier, kinder, more tolerant person. And in 2018, that's what I need to be. Thank you, and I will pass. Thank you, Barbara. Laura H., you're up. Hi, this is Laura H., Grateful Recovered Compulsive Overeater out of Chicago. May I be heard? Yes. Okay, great. Um, the, the first couple of words that we read about at the hospital, I was separated from alcohol for the last time. Very powerful words. We have hope. Um, treatment seemed wise for I showed signs of delirium tremens. When I came in myself close to 350 pounds, it was very hard to separate from the food. It was very challenging. I felt all kinds of uncomfortable feelings. And um, there were some things that I had to do that my sponsor said, you know, do you want what I have? And so you're going to have to do this because you need to, you need to detox, you know. And one of those things is to separate myself from the food like he separated himself from the bottle. And uh, and that required action. I had to, you know, put the food away, not look at it, put it inside, because I live with people. So, you know, their food is not my food. And that was very hard. Um, And then the next paragraph was just, it's such a hope. 
I humbly offered myself to God as I understood him to do with me as he would. So lately I've been asking God uh, in my morning meditation to guide me in the next 24 hours. I only get 24 hours. Everybody else only gets 24 hours. How, how shall I spend my time? I'm trying to find balance in my life. I, work a, I think I work a strong program, but what is God's will for me? And, you know, this is, this is the challenge each and every day to not do Laura's will, but to do what God intended and to do it with grace and dignity, hopefully, um, and to set aside what I think I know. Lately, I've been struggling with patience. I still have 50 or 60 pounds to go. And I'm thinking, gosh, you know, why, what am I doing wrong? There I go. What am I doing wrong? But, you know, this is not my business. My sponsor always reminds me. And I like the line, too, I ruthlessly faced my sins, the honesty, the truth, and became willing to have my newfound friend. And they capitalized friend. And I love that. Um, I also had a tiny God when I came in. I believed in God, but he was far away and far removed. He was tiny. But now I have a friend everywhere I go. So last night I found myself in quiet time and asking God to show me the way. Because um, I, I, I don't know where it is. I, I need to follow you. And, uh, and the last line, I have not had a drink since. Again, there is hope. If you're struggling, if you're if you're in strong recovery, whatever it is, you're exactly where you're supposed to be. Keep coming back. And with that, I will pass. Thank you. Thank you, Laura. Okay, Jody EQ, you're up. Thank you so much. Good morning, everybody. This is Jody EQ, gratefully recovered in Monterey, California, where it is now raining. Thank you, God. So, um, yes, he separated from alcohol for the last time. His mind is cleared, and he begins to work the steps. He accepts the higher power finally into his life. Step two, he places himself unreservedly under the care and direction of his higher power. Step three, he admits for the first time that of himself he is nothing. Step one, that without him he's lost. He ruthlessly faces his sins, step four, and becomes willing to have his higher power take them away, root and branch, step six and seven. He hasn't had a drink since. Such profound words. For me, step three also has been so key to my recovery to place myself one day at a time in the care of my higher power, to turn everything over to the higher power of my understanding and my misunderstanding. What does that look like for me today? Today that looks like prayer and meditation, praying, for knowledge of God's will for me today and the power to carry that out and simply doing what I believe is the next right thing one moment at a time. I can see in retrospect that God is working in my life. It's not so easy to see the future or what, what's going to happen. But as I take simply one day at a time, doing to the best of my ability what I think God would have me do and being 
as I think God would have me be. I can see that God is directing my life and my life gets better and better and better as I stay abstinent entirely and practice these steps. One, two, and three every day. 10, 11, and 12 every day. And I'm so grateful because my life was quite, I was going down for a long time, and now I'm going up. And you can too if you follow these simple steps, these simple rules. And with that, I pass. Thank you, Jody. Okay, we have time for one more. Is there someone with a burning desire? Otherwise, I will just jump in and take that last spot. Julie M. Julie M. Go ahead, Julie. Hi, good morning. This is Julie M. Recovered in Netherlands, Colorado. Um, The line where it says that he, you know, allowed God, I'm not looking at it right now, but unreservedly in his care. Um, I've been realizing lately that Part of the block for me from placing myself unreservedly in God's care is that I can I can consciously I can remember consciously having the thought as a child that the only person that I could depend on 100% in this world was myself, and I embraced that as a way to survive. And I've accomplished a lot, and it's been through a lot of adversity, and it's it's been by having that thought that I'm the only one that can take care of myself 100%. No one else that I've ever depended on has actually been there for me. And so it's it's been a difficult thing for me on this journey to fully embrace God as much as I want to. And I, I go through ups and downs with it. I go through periods of feeling very connected and periods of feeling um, having a lot of doubt. And so I'm I'm really working right now on changing that limited belief and and surrendering that and being grateful that it, it has helped me survive, but also um, making a choice to walk through life now instead of with that belief, with the belief of just opening my heart up to God and to what's possible in any given day, in any given circumstance, and just to really um, bring God in and lean into God. And so um, I'm so grateful for this awareness, and with that, I'll pass. Well, thank you so much, Julie. And thank you to everyone who has shared this morning. Please join us for a second unrecorded hour of study immediately following closing. And um, I will, uh, the share ID for today, Monday, January 8th, 2018, is 10899. That's 10,899. We will now close with the reading from the big book on page 164, followed by the serenity prayer. Will Lisa B. please read A Vision for You? Our book is meant to be suggestive only. Good morning. This is Lisa B., a recovered compulsive overeater. Our book is meant to be suggestive only. We realize we know only a little. God will constantly disclose more to you and to us. Ask him in your morning meditation what you can do each day for the man who is still sick. The answers will come if your own house is in order. But obviously you cannot transmit something you haven't got. See to it that your relationship with him is right and great events will come to pass for you and countless others. 
This is the great fact for us. Abandon yourself to God as you understand God. Admit your faults to him and to your fellows. Clear away the wreckage of your past. Give freely of what you find and join us. We shall be with you in the fellowship of the Spirit, and you will surely meet some of us as you trudge the road of happy destiny. May God bless you and keep you until then.